Somewhere over the edge of the world, the sun had long since risen out of Sobagua, the great sea. But along the margins of Wobanakik, nothing was visible in the thick fog except the ghostly silhouettes of narrow spruces along the shore of the low island and the pale band of gray, barnacle-encrusted rock where the falling tide surged and sucked. Two long, high-prowed bark wigwaul moved along the island's lee, three men in each digging their slender paddles deep to move the sleek canoes forward. As they rounded the island, the sun suffused the fog with a pale golden light, but the paddlers had no time to admire the change. For now, the rollers were coming in from the open ocean. The men had to time their strokes to the lifting swells, keeping the canoes angled into the waves so they would not broach. Nevertheless, the lively seas sometimes broke shockingly cold over the bows. These boats were not the big, sea-going Wolskaulakwa, giant dugouts carved from the trunks of great pines, canoes built to carry fifteen people. Though nearly twenty feet long, these bark canoes were small craft in big waters, and while the men were skilled, they knew disaster lay just a careless moment or unexpected wave away. But a loon called, distant in the fog, and another answered it unseen, long unearthly wails quavering over the water, and the men smiled at one another. The Matawele were the messengers of Kluskeba, the one who made himself, and perhaps they were asking him to watch over their canoes on this auspicious and frightening day. For a long time they moved in a world of mist, their own breath white with the morning chill, seeing nothing beyond the bows of their boats. In the stern of the first canoe sat a Sakema, leader, named Catenanetto. Wielding a long steering paddle, he navigated carefully but not blindly, keeping his bearings by the direction of the swells and by listening for the crash of waves on the receding shore behind them. The fog made the men in the canoes feel as though they remained motionless no matter how hard they paddled, but Catenanetto never wavered, never appeared to be lost. To one of the men, barely out of his teens, this ability seemed almost supernatural. Catenanetto's name, after all, meant doer of great magic. But it was simply the product of a lifetime spent along the Wabanakik coast, knowing how the currents flowed among these islands on a rising tide, and taking into account the freshening breeze that now twisted the fog into wraiths. Catenanetto set the course. Then, with stunning speed, the mist began to split and lift, stripped away by the rising wind and brilliant sun. What was moments before a world cloistered in gray took on the bright edges and sharp shadows of morning. All around them lay the complexity of rock-hemmed shores, spruce islands, long peninsulas, and deep bays that formed the beautiful edge of Wobanakik. Extending before Catenanetto and his companions, still hazy in the dissipating fog, was a series of stepping-stone islands humped with low hills and black with forest. 
They paddled for an hour, passing rocky ledges on which dozens of askigre were hauled out, their smooth mottled pelts shining in the sun. The smaller seals had faces like dogs, but the much larger grey ones had long muzzles like those of the big antlered maws of the forest. In autumn, when the askigwa were fat, they provided meat and oil, and even now at the beginning of summer they were good eating. But the men, who had no harpoons and had other things on their minds this morning, didn't stir when a grey askigwa surfaced near their canoes. The strengthening sun warmed Catenanetto's face, glinting off the white bone ornaments in his long black hair.